I'm Priscilla McKinney, host of Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. Today, I'm here with Michael Roderick, a fellow podcaster. This is going to be so great, but Michael is the CEO of Small Pond Enterprises, and he helps thoughtful givers become thought leaders by making their brands referable, their messages memorable, and pretty much their ideas unforgettable. So welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks so much for having me, Priscilla. I'm excited to do this. Well, uh, this is going to be easy because it's two podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive into that real quick. You are the host of uh, Access to Anyone, and that that podcast really, hmm, let me, how, how should I put it? It shows, it really shows by example how you can get to anyone in business that you really want to talk to. It's just this, this almost like it's a mindset shift. Can I can I say that? It's a mindset oh, shift. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you have some real principles you use to say, hey, if there is somebody you want to talk to, let me show you. You can have access to anything. And you use a very unique methodology. comes from your experience as a high school English teacher and also your experience as a Broadway producer mm-hmm. um, in this. So tell us a little bit about this methodology and the, and the wacky statement I just made about English teacher to Broadway producer. <laughs> sure, <laughs> tell sure. me more. Yeah. So, so basically, um, I went from being a high school English teacher to a Broadway producer in under two years. And uh, a lot of people asked me about how I did it. And what's probably the most interesting about that is the aspect of most people think that uh, it is about access. It's about being able to be in front of people or get your foot in the door, so to speak. But what's most interesting is that it's really about interest. Because if people are interested in you, if they're interested in what you have to create, uh, what you've developed, then the access piece becomes significantly easier. And when I used to raise money, I always used to say that RAB is attracted to TAC. And that's rich and bored is attracted to talented and crazy. So (laughs) people who are just like, they've got everything they need, um, they're always looking for, okay, who is saying something uh, a little off the beaten path? Who's saying something different? Who's not telling them the same thing just sort of all the time and has their own view uh, of of the world? So a lot of what I started to do is I started to look at uh, it started with just artists uh, mainly when I started the company helping artists kind of get to the next level in their careers. And I just kind of built up that talented and crazy side, really sort of helped them on the on the packaging side. And the more that I did this kind of work, the more I realized that, wow, you know, everybody uh, could benefit from some type of packaging and uh, becoming more memorable. So I just started doing more of that kind of work. And as a result, people just like kept introducing themselves to me or I was getting introduced to other people and everybody was kind of coming to me to say, can you teach me more about your relationship building skills? And a friend of mine reached out and said, do you want to start a podcast together? And that's really how Access to Anyone was born. I was having lunch with my friend Michael Shine, and he said, you've introduced me to so many cool people. Uh, I'd love to get some of them uh, on the show and do some interviews together. Do you want to do it? And I said yes, and it just really kind of took off from there. Oh, that's so. Let's throw in a few more acronyms since that was fun. Um, so you're really tapping into some FOMO, some fear of missing out um, from people who are looking for the NBT, the next big thing, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. I, I love this idea, but you're also tacking onto that this this concept really of really personal branding. 
and mm-hmm. you know how how effective that can be as a strategy. But you do it in a much more mindful way. So tell me about some of the steps that you share, uh, you know, in your your unique methodology. And I know you you give little snippets of it in Access to Anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, in Access to Anyone, you're interviewing some really amazing people. So tell us about some of the tips you share. And and how you know and how that applies to who you've been able to get on the show. Sure, sure. Uh, so the one thing that I think is really really useful that a lot of us forget about is a is a concept I call associative leverage. And basically, uh, if you see me talking to somebody who's at a higher level, when you sort of think about the idea of hierarchy, maybe they've done more, they've accomplished more, maybe they're more well known, etc. In your brain, you start to associate me with that level of person. So all of a sudden, you start introducing me to people at that level or higher um, because you can see the, the comparison between the two. So often when people will ask me what's one of the best ways to really kind of level up the relationships, I'll say do some kind of panel type of environment or some kind of interview type of environment because then you are going to be consistently seen with people at higher levels. And not only will you learn things from those individuals, but others will start to associate you and that associative leverage will come into play. The other thing that I think is really important is operate uh, along a vertical as opposed to a horizontal. And what I mean by that is most people, when they think about relationship building, they're always kind of introducing people kind of at the same level all the time. And as a result, their business never really grows. But when you think along a vertical, you're saying, okay, who is above me and who is maybe just getting started or learning? And how can I start to thread relationships between those two people? How can I help somebody who's really, really high up there discover somebody on the bottom who's maybe not that well discovered yet and really help thread those relationships together. And the more that you do that type of connecting, what tends to happen is more people start making intros for you, more opportunities come up, and then people say, oh my God, I wanna be, I, I wanna be on your show. The other thing I'll say specifically when it comes to podcasting and having guests and, and finding really, really great people It comes down to you really taking the time to understand what it is that they actually care about. So most people, when they're reaching out to guests, uh, potential guests, they're sort of they've got this like stock pitch uh, that they give, and it doesn't really work because they're not looking at well, why does this person talk about what they talk about? And if you can make that person look really good to their uh, to their audience, and you can present that you have a way to do that you have a much, much better chance of them saying yes. Uh, And if you're asking different types of questions, if you are uh, more conversational, it really, really sets you apart from all of the people who are, in essence, following formulas, right? They took a podcasting class and the (laughs) podcasting class said, answer these 10 questions. Uh, and you just feel like the other person's on the other end, like holding, um, you know, holding a little sheet of paper and being like, okay, what do I need to ask? Uh, as opposed to just talking to people. And that's really, 
one of the core ways to build the best relationships is you just have a conversation and you just listen to people. Yeah. And I think, you know, your listening skills, obviously, you know, it it results in you being a fantastic connector Mm -hmm. because you hear what it is someone needs. So you hear a need. And then, you know, sometimes we can't actually provide that need. Oh, I, I know someone else who can fill that. And and becoming a hub can be very powerful in in what you call associative leverage, which I I love that phrase. It's that's Thank very you. great. Um, so yeah, and you know what? Just just since we're two podcasters chitty chatting about this, oh my gosh, I cannot agree more with you about how easy sometimes it is to get someone like really a big name on your podcast in the sense that you know, they do want PR and mm-hmm. humans want to be recognized and want to be special. And wouldn't they like to say to their friends or colleagues, yeah, I was just interviewed on this this uh, podcast. Well, that's a nice phrase to be able to start a conversation yep. with and tapping a bit into that. But you brought up an idea just a minute ago about uh, how you really help people um, and brands make their ideas memorable. So tell me a little bit about that. What do you think makes an idea memorable? Sure. So I think that the thing that we often forget about memory is that we remember things if we can carry them with us. So the metaphor that I often like to use is this idea of a pile of apples versus a bag. If I handed you a pile of apples and I said walk across the room, there's a very good chance that you're going to drop some apples. But if I said, here's a bag, put all of these apples in a bag and walk across the room, you're not going to drop any apples. And when you think about taking your ideas and really making it so that people can remember them, then the way that you want to think about it is, and I just came up, you're getting, you're getting the first view of a new acronym I'm testing. All right. I'm, Um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Which (laughs) is think less which is language, emotion, simplicity, and structure. And when you think about language, people remember words that are different, unique, creative. They don't remember what I like to refer to as uh, container words, right? So leadership is a container word, (laughs) right? But there are so many different ways to phrase leadership, to think about the idea of leadership. And if you open up that container, you're going to find a word that's more interesting and much more easy for people to remember. So, for example, what yeah. you're saying is is use instead of saying we're a group of people, we're a collective. Would yes. that be a fair? Okay. So exactly. it's a word people are familiar with, but they're not going, what What could that possibly mean? But yeah. it's sticking in their brain in a different way just by the action of using some different language. Exactly. Okay, I'm tracking with you. Keep going. This is great. Emotion. So emotion, emotion solidifies memory. So if you think of any moment in your life where there was a high level of emotion, you're going to remember that moment and a lot of the things that happen much more within that time. And most of the time when we think about our message, we don't necessarily think about what emotion would be attached to that, whether that be you're helping somebody recognize a fear that they have, you're helping somebody recognize an opportunity that they have. You help them feel something when you are creating that creating that messaging. Uh, so they start to see themselves in that way. They they feel that emotion and they start to think through that experience that maybe they've had that they've had in the past. So emotions help signify 
memory markers for us. So if you're writing something or you're putting something out there and it triggers an emotion in somebody, they're much more likely to remember your content mm -hmm. during that particular, particular phase. Uh, and I've done talks in the past where I've described an emotional moment where I've talked to the audience about memory and I've said, and if any of you have had a similar moment to the one that I just described, this is probably the part of the talk that you'll remember most mm -hmm. from the day. Mm -hmm. Like this is probably the thing that you'll carry, carry with you. Right. Um, simplicity. Simplicity is so important and we forget about it all the time. If you tell somebody, here's what you need to do, there's 15 steps. They're not going to remember. <laughs> nor, will, nor will they buy that book. <laughs> exactly. They're never going to share it with their friends, right? Because mm -hmm. who's going to remember 15 steps? But if you say there are three principles that you need to think about when it comes to creating a referable brand, and that's accessibility, influence, and memory, and it spells the word aim, then people are going to just remember that. They're going to share it because it's simple. Well, right. not only that, but you've also shared several acronyms with us. So you're also using some, uh, you know, some methodologies that are basically hacks to memory. Exactly. Exactly. And when you have those hacks, it makes it easier for people to remember and much, much easier for people to share. And that ties to the last piece, which is structure. It's hard for us to share something if there isn't a structure attached to it. So if your concept doesn't have, if it's a story, it doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. If, you're, if it's a methodology or a process and it doesn't have phases or steps, if there isn't a structure for us to follow, we're probably not going to share it with somebody else. Because the core reason why we share anything on an emotional level is that it makes us look better. It makes us look good when we share something that's really, really useful. It's why certain quotes end up being repeated over and over and over again, not because the person who came up with the quote is the, the best person in the world, but because when we use that quote, people see us in a completely different light. And we often forget about the fact that when we create content and when we create material, it is about making somebody else's life better. It is about making other people look good and they will share it if it makes them look good, but they'll only share it if they feel like they can share it confidently and easily. Because if they think they're going to get mixed up in it, they think they're going to forget their lines, they're going to share somebody else's content even if it's not as good as yours. Because they don't want to look stupid. <laughs> there's, there's the other like a uh, key human driver. Please don't let me look stupid right now. <laughs> yep. I love it. I love it. So tell us about some practical ways that you've helped people put this into place. How, how have you helped people in their careers or their brands, um, you know, become more memorable? Give us some real life. I like. I, I talk a lot about how this podcast is. Let's pull the curtain back a little bit. Let Let's sure. see. It's a wizard. Oh my gosh! It's just a guy. You know. <laughs> so Michael, you're just the guy. Tell us how you do it how have you how do you talk with people in in about their careers and talk with people about their brands in a way that helps them begin to understand that they need to become more memorable sure sure so i always start with what i call question zero uh and question zero is why are you doing this 
So if they've decided to start a coaching business, if they've decided to start a consulting business, if they've decided to write a book, whatever it is, why are you even doing this? Like, why do you care? And most of the time, there is a story attached to that. There is a story about an experience that they had or something that happened to them that made them say, I want to go out and do my own thing, or I want to share this piece of information. And once I hear that, I can start to understand, well, what is it that they care about? And then look at the message and is the message actually matching what they just told me is actually matching the emotion. So I remember working with a photographer and at the beginning of our work together, I asked him, what caused you to get into this career? Why are you even doing this? And he said that he used to work in production in the television side of things. And he felt like he just saw so many people being presented as fake. Um, and sort of polished and he really wanted to be able to do photos with people where they could be themselves and that they could show their true colors and sort of show who they are. And then I looked at the articles he was writing and I looked at the material that he was creating and this is a guy who he uh, was very down to earth and in some cases uh, would be very direct, in some cases would even curse. But you read his stuff and it was uh, basically, it sounded like a college essay, right? These are the things that you need to do because he thought that this is how he needed to write. So what I did was I said, you know, you're not really a, a photographer in, people, in people's mind. You are somebody who helps people show up to photos without feeling fake. And photography is just the vehicle for what you do. So people need to see you showing that side of yourself and showing your authenticity. So write like you speak. And he started doing that. He started uh, writing an email three times a week. And over time, he became sought after for his own branding. He had other photographers come to him and say, can you teach me more about how you make your ideas memorable, how you create visual content. And it all came from that first place of why are you doing this and does the message that you're putting out there match that, uh, that level of emotion. And that's just one kind of small piece of, um, of the work, but that's a, that is a peek behind the curtain, if you will, of uh, the process. <laughs> well, I love that. And also what you're really saying in that is that the work that you do instead of taking the idea of branding and saying, here's the clever, trendy thing, let me put this on top of you so you become memorable, what you're saying is, no, let's work from the ground up. Let's find out what is truly of meaning to you. Let's find out what how you, let, let's find out how, uh, you know, what makes you tick so that we can basically amplify those things and help those things become memorable. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it, you know, yeah. you, you see it all the time in, in branding and marketing right now. It's that top-down approach of like, well, this is what's going to sell. So let's start saying this, people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that is so hard to sustain because people cannot deal with incongruity, yes. <laughs> you know, for very yep. long. It's very stressful. Um, this is why, you know, you think about even how people are stressed out right now that, you know, trying to make their Facebook profiles and, and posts match their actual life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? 
know. So humans can't handle incongruity. We want pattern. We want, um, you know, we want that authenticity. And I'm not even saying that in an altruistic way. Our brains want authenticity. They want congruency. And so, you know, tapping into that from the very beginning with someone on whatever journey they're embarking, whether it's their career or a brand new brand or, you know, whether it's personal or business, that is something that's going to be far more sustainable. I, I, mm-hmm. I really, really love that. Have you had people kind of push against you for that? Like they want to be the certain thing, they want to become that, or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think every once in a while you have uh, you have people who they've sort of made a decision about what they want the brand to be, right? And sort of what they see as as being as being useful and. When somebody comes to me with, okay, this is what I want it to be, often what I'll do is I'll say, okay, I want you to have some conversations with actual people and use that language. Mm. And I just want you to watch. How do they react to it? Mm. And I have my theories as to where I think it could go and, and how, you know, how it'll be received, but I'm really curious to see what you learn. And in many instances, they go and they test it out and they realize that it's not what they're seeing in their head, right? And and a lot of the time, the mistakes that are made specifically in branding, specifically even in marketing, is that we get to a place where we think we know something. And as we learned in show business, like nobody knows anything the market is going to help you understand what you need to understand. So you have to see what happens when you actually put something put something out there and test it and see what kind of responses you get. And the more that you test things and you start to notice, oh, okay, then you say, oh, okay, maybe I can start to play around with this idea or that idea. Uh, but I think it's very, very dangerous. Uh, I'm a very, very big believer in frameworks over formulas. So I don't think you should ever tell somebody this is exactly how to do it. This is exactly what to say because you're creating a robot. Uh, I think you say this is how I want you to think about it. And with that lens, I want you to start to, to play around with your own ideas of building this, this concept or building this brand. Uh, I don't think it's ever useful to say to somebody this is how you should do it or this is what you should do. I think uh, it comes from when I was a director, when I when I worked in more the, the theater side of things, I never said to an actor, I want you to be mad now. I said to an actor, they just slammed the door in your face. I'm curious, how do you feel about that? Hmm. <laughs> you know? Huge difference, huge difference. <laughs> you know, this is, a, it, it, this is kind of a riff off of the concept, and I'm, bear with me on this one. I'm going to come around to it. Um, because it's going to sound tried at the beginning. It's a little bit of a riff on the idea of the customer is always right. Um, because none of us who are starting our dream career, dream job, dream brand, whatever it is, we're not doing it so that we can be in a silo and be isolated and all alone forever and ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. We want to take that thing out into the world and interact with it. And you, maybe that's you try and saying, oh, that's the customer out there. They're always right the way that, you know, what is it they want? How can, how can I be memorable to them? How can I, all these kinds of things. But it is what you're talking about is an interesting 
riff on that in that you have to get curious about, you know, how you can connect to people and you have to connect with them by understanding their needs. And so in that way, they're right. You know, if Mm -hmm. you want to connect with them, that, you know, how they perceive you in the end is going to, you know, is going to win out. It's a, it's the ultimate anthro anthropological, you know, uh, mindset (laughs) coming Mm. into how you show up in the world and uh, how do you present what is the, the really emerging or, or most, um, you know, most pressing thing in your heart? What is it that you want to give to the world? And I certainly don't want to put, you know, weird, you know, um, um, touchy-feely language around it. But I think it is kind of interesting is like there is kind of this in this creative process, this artistic process that is starting a business or even launching your career. Maybe people don't assume, you know, associate the word creative with that, but it is. You're giving birth to something, Mm -hmm. an idea coming out with it. But the feedback you get, you need to be awake and alive to it. Yes, yes. And and that's the thing. It's, you know, it, it's one of those aspects of you're not going to ever change somebody's worldview. So just s- step away from that. <laughs> st- step away from that idea, you know. Um, but you are going to be able to introduce people to the fact that there are other ideas out there. And if you can do that, then that's when you start to find who your audience is. That's when you start to find where your messaging lands and where your messaging doesn't land. And that's when you start to find out what it is that these people out there are actually looking for uh, as opposed to assuming what they're looking for and what change that they want and what they're, you know, what they're obsessed with or, or interested in. It's, it's about taking that time to, again, going, you know, right back to, what really makes a great podcaster, you know, listening, yeah. really listening <laughs> and actually, you know, listening to what the person says and responding to what the person says <laughs> and not going to the next question and, and digging deeper on a question if you if, if you want to. So people feel like, oh, my God, I'm talking to a person uh, and I feel connected to them. Right. So you don't think we should Google 10 best questions to ask in a podcast interview? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think we both have been on those podcasts before. We're like, wow, wow, that's what's happening here, right? (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, I I have... Yeah, many a time. <laughs> uh, that really made me think when I was listening to you about that principle, you know, that um, that Jim Collins uh, talks about in the beginning of Good to Great about, you know, if you can't be interesting, then you need to be interested. Mm-hmm. And it is that maxim of going back and forth. It's like if, you know, if your brand or your career or what do you offer your value to the world is so interesting and compelling, then great, keep going with it. But when and if it's not, then be interested because... Yeah. Asking other people, what, what do you think of that and how do you perceive that and what, what would be of value to you is just a fantastic feedback. Yeah, and, and the best way to make something more interesting is to become interested in what other people see in it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And really taking the time to say, okay, I think that this is possible or I think that this is interesting, but I'm you know, I'm biased. I have my own, you know, breakdown of these things. I'm curious, what do you think of it? 
See, that takes the pressure off because what you just said was that you liked frameworks over formulas. So I don't have to worry going into that conversation that I'm going to have to ask these five questions. Mm -hmm. I'm instead come in with the framework is what you're proposing, the framework of curiosity, the framework of being interested, the framework of, you know, being honestly willing to listen to the other person. And that's a lot less pressure. Yes, yes, way less pressure and doesn't make the person feel like there's there's a right or a wrong. The right. second that somebody feels like there's a right or a wrong, you're going to have a lot of friction in the in the conversation. And the more that people feel like you're just having a conversation and you're exploring things with each other, the easier these conversations, these conversations go and, and, and flow. You know, I think that a lot of the, the problems with the education that's out there, specifically in the networking, you know, circle is all about this like rote language of like, how can I help you? And what, um, you know, what types of referrals are you looking for? And, and all of these, these phrases that aren't actually very useful and because they're not your language like if you want to help or if you want to support somebody then you need to use your own language to let them know that that's of interest to you and don't say it if you're not actually interested in helping like if you don't like what somebody's doing or you don't think it's that exciting to you don't think that the thing that you have to do because you went to this networking meeting is you have to ask them, how can I help spread your bad idea? (laughs) Smallpox sounds good. You got a blanket? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Let's just keep smallpox where it was supposed to be contained. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Well, let's wrap up a little bit. We have some some rapid fire things, but I do want to give you just a chance to, you know, in your own words, talk a little bit about the podcast and why someone would be interested into it. Because, you know, you mentioned a couple of things kind of, um, you know, in networking, you talked about like leveling up. And I know you deal with topics on the podcast like the art of the ask, how to get, you know, how to how to really think through the process of how could you get some power players, you know, basically attracted to you or chasing you instead of you hardcore chasing someone else. So, Mm. you know, for someone who hasn't listened, can you give them just a little primer on what it would be like listening in on the interviews that you have, um, that you and uh, that you and Michael, well, I guess it's two Michaels, you and Michael Shine uh, do on on the Access to Anyone podcast? Yeah. So, um, so the first thing I'll say is that uh, Michael Shine has uh, moved on. He's uh, he's working on uh, he's working on a couple of other other projects. So he kind of turned over the reins to me. Um, but every once in a while, he'll come back and kind of do like a guest uh, a guest hosting. Um, but basically, the focus of the show is really on having conversations with different entrepreneurs and different people in lots of different uh, industries about their own relationship building practices. And then any time that I'm talking uh, about my own ideas or if it's an interview series between me and Michael Shine, it's about us digging into some of these relationship building principles. So I do a lot around how do you ask for things. I do a lot around how do you curate the network that you have. Uh, I do a lot of uh, things around thinking about how you uh, say no and how you think about saying no. Uh, so it really focuses on the personal side of things. Uh, I'm not spending 
a ton of time trying to talk to somebody about how they got to six or seven or eight figures um, <laughs> or, you know, any of those types of things. Well, uh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just more, you know, interested in what they are doing with their life and sort of how that ties into relationships. And a lot of the time with guests, I let my curiosity take me where it takes me. So uh, most of the time I'll get somebody who uh, maybe they're not on a lot of podcasts or maybe they're, uh, they're in a completely different industry or a completely different field. And I'll just unpack what that industry means and sort of what that, you know, how that looks and, and what it does. Uh, the interview that just came out uh, this week was with a friend of mine who uh, has basically done a bunch of startup work in Vietnam. Oh, and my we discussed gosh. So that. interesting. And you could tell so much how interested you were in, in this. The, the, yeah, exactly. the, yeah, tell about this one. It's, it is so yeah. interesting. Yeah, so basically we talked about all the different types of culture differences there. And how, you know, in the startup world here, there are certain ways of operating and how if you were to go to Vietnam and try to do the same thing, you could end up in jail or, <laughs> you know, have any number of, uh, of major problems. And we, we talk through a lot of those, a lot of those principles and a lot of those ideas. So uh, if you're looking for really interesting conversations that focus in the relationship building space and you want to just learn from some fascinating, awesome people, uh, that's, that's, that's what the show's about. Yeah, I also liked one. Uh, it was it was pretty recently. I don't know, maybe it's three or four or five back, but it was about um, how to make every pitch a gift to someone. And I thought, you know, I, I just had uh, Anise Cavanaugh on my podcast and she talks about, you know, the question that kind of she leaves me with all the time is, is your presence a gift? right now. And I love that approach um, that you had on there of, of how to make a pitch a gift, because in, in, in you know, work, we just be like, now I'm going to do this to someone, I'm going to get this, you know, job and, you know, these kinds of things as opposed to going, but is what you're bringing to a client is the pitch that you have, it, 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 you know, is it a gift? Yeah. You know, yep. so that important. was, it, it is. So yeah, meaningful conversations. Okay. We could talk forever, but we're going to have to wrap <laughs> up. So let's kind of move into our rapid fire real quick. Why don't you share sure. the best piece of advice you've ever received and the worst piece of advice you've ever received? <laughs> um, so best piece of advice I ever received uh, was uh, make sure you clean your pipeline. Um, and, and basically what that meant was I was talking to this guy, he had invested in a lot of companies, he had gotten involved in a lot of different things. And I thought I was a hot shot by basically being like, I've made all these introductions and I was sort of naming the number of people that I had connected with and all this other stuff. And he stopped me dead and he said, listen, he said, I don't care if you introduce me to 200 people, if none of them are relevant, then you lose my number. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, it was like, you need to clean your your pipeline and that for me has been the the most important thing ever I've just always thought about that curating piece of who is in my circle and who do I make sure gets to connect with each other and who do I keep out uh, has been one of the most important things in uh, in my business and in my career well you talk about associative le uh, leverage you know is that how you put it associative le yep. leverage but if if you're offering someone a horrible connection that doesn't work out it, it's almost more akin to name dropping than yep. it is to actually helping I love that okay okay that's the best piece of advice what was the worst <laughs> I think the worst was 
somebody once told me uh, in the very, very early stages uh, of my my career, I was selling I was selling some kind of coaching package or or something. And they were like, well, why don't you just, and I think I was selling it for like a couple hundred bucks and they were like, why don't you just sell it for a thousand? Because then you won't have to worry about the, you know, the, the same number of people, but they kind of skipped the part of like, who, who's in your network right now and what can they afford? (laughs) So I went, you know, so then I went and I, and I bumped up this price and I had a heck of a time because the the messaging and all the language that I had around the service totally matched a two hundred or three hundred dollar price, but did not match a thousand dollar price. Right. And the market didn't match a thousand dollar price, so I ended up struggling uh, quite a bit with that offering before I finally kind of found a middle ground pricing for it and did a little bit of work on the uh, on the language. But man, that that one really kneecapped me for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, when someone answers you a simple solution to a complex problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay, real quick, what other podcasts do you listen to? Uh, obviously, you know, we love introducing people to great podcasts. We love the, the medium itself. Uh, so yeah, introduce us to something else great. Yeah, I uh, I really love this one called The Unmistakable Creative. Uh, I was interviewed on it years and years and years ago, uh, and it's just it's just really really a cool show. Uh, the host uh, Shrini, he he interviews just really really fascinating people, and he spends a lot of time asking really really good questions. And I just I just love his I, I love his style. Um, the other one is uh, the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, Jordan is another just phenomenal interviewer. He's just really, really great at uh, building rapport, asking just top tier questions and getting just some great people to uh, to share their stories and share their ideas. So you've just revealed to us just how deeply um, committed you are to really asking the great question and understanding the why with people. I yep. <laughs> love it. I love it. OK, do you have a go to app on your phone that you just must have? Uh, Evernote. Evernote. I, uh, Some people yeah, are I use it. big on, you know, I mean, they're diehard. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, anytime I have, I, I write a daily email and anytime I um, have an idea for one of those emails, I'll just jot it down in Evernote mm-hmm. and it's, it's just perfect. So I just pull it up be reminded of that idea and then sit down and write. It's great. I, you know, so many people are, like I said, diehard fans about that. I just had one of the VPs from HubSpot on the podcast and they said, oh, I used to be Evernote, but now I started using Keep from Google. And mm. they're like, and I thought I would never switch. So I leave that with you. <laughs> this yeah, is not yeah. a paid sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like, yeah. But it is always so interesting when these different apps, uh, like new apps come out and you're like, do I stay do with I the switch? old one or do I try this new thing? I, I totally hear you. It's yeah. uh, it, it's the it's the game we, we play. Yeah, for sure. So are you an avid reader or what? Yeah, yeah. I read just voraciously. Okay, what's um, going on? What are you reading right now or what's a favorite? Um, so I just finished um, uh, This Is Marketing um, by Seth Godin. And mm-hmm. I I mean, I've loved Seth's books for a really, really long time. And his, uh, he's just got a lot of fantastic books. So that one I just finished and I just started. Uh, my friend Brian Kurtz put out this book called Over Deliver, um, where he basically shares all of the things that he learned in all of his time of direct response marketing. 
basically like working with big, big lists and sort of studying lists and studying audiences. And, and so far, it's been fascinating. Oh, very cool. Okay. Now, some people follow blogs and some people don't. You're a great writer. You're a great speaker. You know, you're an avid reader, a podcast. So you're using a lot of mediums. But, you know, yeah. do you follow any blogs in particular? I mean, I've all from the very, very beginning. I follow. Uh, I follow Seth Godin's blog. I was just going to say, you know, talk about someone who blogs every day. <laughs> yeah, yep, from the very, very beginning. Um, I remember my when I was doing. Uh, I did an internship with a Broadway producer uh, by the name of Ken Davenport, and Ken had a blog, and Ken introduced me to Seth Godin's work. And after that, I was, I was, I would read Ken's blog and Seth's blog like every day. Um, and now that I'm not in, uh, involved in Broadway nearly as much any, uh, anymore, I'm not reading as much of uh, Ken's blog. But if any of you are out there and list, you know, really like uh, producing and you want to learn more about it, Ken Davenport's blog is, is aces for, uh, for that kind of information. Awesome. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been Michael Roderick. He's the CEO of Small Pond Enterprises. And also check him out on accesstoanyonepodcast.com or just wherever you download your podcast from, access to anyone. Just uh, do a scroll through of some of the interviews. You will find something that is absolutely of relevance to you, of interest, or even if it's something that you've never heard of before, they're just rich interviews. And so you can just really quickly dive in. So Michael, thank you so much for coming on Ponderings from the Purge. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. So from all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, thanks for joining us and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.